Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I am joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than one of the world's most renowned motivational speakers, Mr. Les Brown. He's a dynamic personality and highly sought after icon in business and professional circles from all sectors of society looking to expand opportunity. For three decades, he has not only studied the science of achievement, he's mastered it. He's an author, former radio DJ, television host, former member of the House of Representatives, a highly acclaimed author who introduces new audiences every day to his inspiring books, such as It's Not Over Until You Win, Fight for Your Dreams, his audio series Choosing Your Future, and his latest The Greatness Within You. As a premier keynote speaker and leading authority on achievement for audiences as large as 80,000 people, Les Brown energizes people to meet the challenges of the world around them. Revered as an icon, Les has received the National Speakers Association Coveted Council of Peers Award of Excellence, ultimately his most prestigious Golden Gavel Award for Achievement and Leadership in Communication. Toastmasters International also voted him as one top five outstanding speakers worldwide and legions of followers flock to stadiums and arenas to hear a man who never stops believing that the proper guidance and training you can achieve anything you desire in life. He's also a personal hero of mine. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Les. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you. And you're my hero too, because I love the work that you're doing and it's it's making a difference. It's making impact. And so thank you for taking a stand with your life to leave your mark, to help people to begin to remove the stigma of dealing with mental wellness and mental illness. Well, thank you for that. Very much appreciated. This, this, what I want to get into is because there's truly so much of your story to unpack. And before that, one question I've always said to myself, if I got the opportunity to meet and chat with you, is the IPC, the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, isn't always been about removing that mask, as we say, that we tend to see in society that all of us at one time or another, have been programmed to follow, to ultimately look at this ideal of success, what fame is. But you, utilizing your God-given talent, your voice, and having the ability to communicate, you've touched the lives of millions of people and have worked with everyday people to Fortune 500 companies, to leaders of the world. What you're seeing these days with people looking from an outside point of view at all the success you've achieved and success means so much to so many different people nobody knows anybody's story so can you just take us back to some pivotal points within your story that really just show that it is a journey and it's a story and your tests become your testimony because that to me has always stood out one thing that you've said about your testimonies in those tests and trials can you just take us over some pivotal moments within your life? Yes. You know, one of the things I wish I had done, and I don't know whether or not you were set up to do it. I, I should have played a video 
introducing this conversation because I, I'm adopted, as you're aware, and I connected with my birth family. And I, I discovered some things. There are sometimes there are things that affect us that we don't know why we do what we do. I call it the can helps it. <laughs> <laughs> like as much as you've chosen this path with your life, to bring light into this area where some people speak darkness mm. that you were chosen for this work. And so when I look at my life here, I am 77 just discovered uh, and saw a picture of my birth mother and father last year and met two brothers that I did not know that I had and found out that my birth mother, Dorothy Bell Rucker, uh, she was a, a motivational speaker, and her grandmother, Beulah Rucker, was a motivational speaker, and they have the Beulah Rucker Museum. I was a community activist, and they were community activists. And her two sons, my two brothers, that she raised in their household, they're nothing like her. And I'm everything like her. I look like her. And they say that when I speak, it brings tears to their eyes because I remind them of our mother. You know, this thing called life. I feel like Mother Teresa, who said, just when I thought I got a handle on life, the handle broke. So, <laughs> so I used to end my speeches by saying, this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy who adopted me. And now I say that this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy and Dorothy Bell Rucker's pride and joy. Uh, <laughs> Dorothy Bell gave me life. Mamie Brown taught me how to live life. <laughs> so born in an abandoned building on a floor in a poor section of Miami, Florida. And when I was in the fifth grade, I was labeled educable, mentally retarded. And I was put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade, fell again when I was in the eighth grade and stayed in special education all through school. And, and they called me the dumb twin. And I think it's very important that we don't label people. One of the things I strongly believe, label jars, not people. And, and, and so through that experience, it impacted my vision of myself. How we live our lives is a result of the story we believe about ourselves. This program that you have created, Imperfectly Perfect, what you're doing, from my perspective, people who watch and listen, you interrupt the story they believe about themselves, the stigma that society has placed on them. You, when they listen to you speak or interview guests, you distract, dispute, and inspire. You distract them from the story, from the stigma. And through the execution of your presentation, of the interviews that you have with guests, you dismantle their current belief system about themselves, and you inspire them to make new choices outside of those labels New choices outside of their mental conditioning, new choices beyond what people have said about them and allow them to have the courage to stand in the truth that they're imperfectly perfect. Oh, that's genius. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but by heavenly father. Come on, somebody. Well, 
<laughs> so I've been excited about talking with you. So bring it on, my brother. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm, I, I just flow with these interviews because I think I, you speak so so openly and, and you praise your mother, but you also praise God a lot with your journey. And I can tell you through this campaign and what it's taught me, spirituality, then faith has come to me and God has opened doors that no man can literally shut. And he's putting me in front of yourself and, and people like this. And there's a commonality that I notice, and it's a discernment of how to listen and how to really communicate with people. And that's what you're all about. But with what you're seeing in the world at the moment, I want to start with the main question attesting to the campaign. And you said it's all right there. What does being imperfectly perfect mean to you, Les? It means... Judge not according to appearances. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that, that everything that we see is one thing. There's mind sight and there's eyesight. Eyesight judge according to appearances. Mind sight look beyond the appearances. Look beyond those things that appear to be imperfect and see the perfection that all of us are masterpiece because we are piece of the master. And that this thing called life, it's, it's an ongoing, evolving process. And, and, and we have moments of delayed enlightenment that, that we see something and it's not what we thought when we saw it because we were dealing with the eyesight. But when you deal with mindsight, getting out of your history and living in your imagination, he said, I'll give you all your eyes can see. I, I had an experience of a gentleman that you remind me a great deal about his level of consciousness. I, I went in his room looking for a friend when I was in school, my junior year in school. I was in special education up to that point. I saw myself as DT, the dumb twin. And and so he said, young man, go to the board and work this problem out for me. I said, sir, I can't do that. And he said, why not? I said, I'm not one of your students. I'm just here to see MacArthur Stevens. He said, go and do what I'm asking you to do anyhow. I said, I can't, sir. And the other students started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's DT. He's got a twin brother. His twin brother is smart. He's DT. He's the dumb twin. And I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk and he said, don't you ever agree with that again. Don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Do you hear me? And I said, yes, sir. Now, my mother said, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. But words can hurt and very deeply. And on one hand, I was humiliated. Because he looked at me with the eyes of Goethe, who said, look at a man the way that he is. He only becomes worse. But look at him as if he were what he could be. Then he becomes what he should be. And so now, because of that disruption, because of those words that were spoken, you know, we, we are taught from the book of life, Death and life is in the tongue. Interesting. Why not flip that? Why, why, did, why did it not read life and death is in the tongue? And the reason is we speak more death than we do life. 
And so this is what your program is about. This is what you're saying. Let's speak life. Let's call forth those things that be not as though they were and live from that place in our relationships and our goals and our dreams and our commitment to push humanity forward. And so being labeled uh, now, as I look back and connecting with the family of my birth mother, I always say in my presentation that God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother, that she came from Gainesville, Georgia, went to Miami, Florida, and she had to, it was an assignment to give me to Mamie Brown. I was a gift to Mamie Brown because she never had any children. But in that environment, had she not done that, there are some things that you feel happen to you, but you realize it happened for you. Mm-hmm. And I would have never become the person that I am now had that not taken place. That Mamie Brown said when she was asked the question, will you take these twins? And she said, yes. So I wasn't given away. I was chosen with love. God is love. And he who dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in them. I'm ready for you today. Come on, bring it, my brother Glenn. It's just like, boom, mic drop. And and what you say there about, about this gift and love, what you're seeing play out in the world in all the years that you have been speaking to so many people. And as I say, you've worked from everyday people up to the top of the world's leaders. When it comes to love and when it comes to division, like we're seeing over the last two years with the pandemic, like what is your message for the world? Because it is being led by love that we can change this thing around and come together as a collective conscious. So what is your message for the world in in respect to that? One One of the things that I anchor myself on that I read years ago, That many times in life, when we have a teeth-rattling experience, we run to God only to discover that it's God that's doing the shaking. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And and so this is a time for us to, to hold on to our faith. It's easy to have faith, Glenn, as you know, when... You're not going through foreclosure. Your marriage is working out. The yeah. children yeah. acting like they have good sits. <laughs> okay, come <laughs> on. You know, it's easy to have faith then. But in in my case, as I talk to you, Cancer Centers of America, they gave me an award a few weeks ago, the award of perseverance, 29-year fourth stage cancer. Wow. 29 wow. years fourth stage prostate cancer metastasized to seven areas of the body. And I have a son who can't hear my voice. He deals with mental illness, bipolar schizophrenia, and won't take his medication. So there are moments before I became familiar with the illness, 
I was at moments in that I said, you're about to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. You're about to make me act a fool up in here, up in here, until I educated myself and became enlightened by it. And so this, this place where we are, it's a major disruption. But here's the key in what you are doing. Let's not focus on what's imperfect. Let's focus on what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. That's what's most important. Let us call forth those things that be not, as though they were, imperfectly perfect. All right? And so in the midst of all of this that's going on, this is the opportunity for us to turn adversity to our advantage because in this thing called life stuff happens and we were pre-alerted to that effect think it not strange that you face the fiery furnaces of this world you will not you might you will have tribulations stuff's gonna happen to you a victor franco who wrote man's search for meaning he said in life you either in a problem or you just left one or you are headed toward one And this is a time that people need the skill set that you provide in the interviews with the people that you talk to on how to navigate this new space where we are, because it requires a new set of skills. We're in this place where Einstein said, the thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. So it's, it's not about pointing fingers. It's about what do we do with this? That life is a question and how we live our lives is the answer. What you've said, here's what we're going to do with this stuff that's not showing up the way we want it to show up, that we're going to call forth those things that be not as though they were. We're going to work to to make a difference, to make an impact. You've taken a stand as Harsh Man said. We should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. So you've said, hey, I'm not going to be a witness here. I'm not going to say, oh, ain't it awful. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to get my piece of the action, the place where I can make a dent, the place where I can make an impact with my voice, with my story, and the imperfect areas of my life because there are people listening to me right now who don't realize that the story they're sitting on, somebody is waiting on. Come on, somebody. Well, <laughs> I'm getting excited up in here. Oh, behave. <laughs> it's so true and so vital that you say that, because, again, attesting to the IPC, it's about uncovering and realizing that people we do often aspire to be or look up to be, have those struggles. And I'll tell you, on my journey, from the external now, people will see me talking to yourself and and what I've been able to achieve. But that doesn't mean that God has not put me through a journey. Like, he has emptied my pockets to show me that I can help the people that have nothing. He's also put me next to people like yourself to show that not everybody wants to know Glenn for Glenn, but they want to know Glenn to get to the next person. And I was in a state of myself at one point going, oh, my God, I'm emptying my book here to try and help everybody. 
and then realized then these were blessings that I was learning. So a question to you would be with all the people that you, that God speaks to you because you come with so much wisdom and you know that that's, that's from far above. How do you replenish your energy because you're giving, giving, giving constantly? Glenn, we have to have a ritual. When I first get up in the morning, I say all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Every day will not be a good day, but there's some good in every day. So I have a ritual of, of, of praying and, and, and making a list of seven things that I'm grateful for, my gratitude list. Then I write down seven things I am committed to getting out of the day. The majority of people, when they wake up, they're just trying to get through the day. So we've gone through a disruption. And disruption requires and demands transformation. It, 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 it requires that we get out of our comfort zone. And life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. Because in order to do something you've never done, and this is the place where we are, you have to become someone you've never been. If a man is to gain his life, he must lose his life. Mm -hmm. So we must die to who we've been to give birth to who we are to become. Because Mm -hmm. adversity takes you to a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. And as a result, there's power in pursuit. As a result of pursuing and looking for solutions and, and looking for ways that we can begin to resolve what we are faced with, we show up differently in life. We become stronger because of it. That's why Goethe said, that which does not kill you will make you stronger. Mm. Wow. Sometimes it just takes a moment to process when you are listening so intently to these words. because it's just like, I just want the audience just to really, really sit back and... Yeah, it's just an honor to be chatting with you because the wisdom that comes out and it, it, it comes from a place like I've followed and listened to so much of your stuff over the years. And, and one of the things that, that really stands out is that you speak from the aspect of truth. And with a lot of people with societal expectations, there's this compare, compete and judge But you've used, as I said at the beginning, your God-given talent to share your truth and make an impact on the world to change it. And you've spoken with the great speakers, you've, you've researched them, you've interviewed them. What is a commonality that you've noticed with some of the most successful, sustainable leaders making an impact on this world and this younger generation that seemingly want to or go to mental health issues because they are comparing with what they're seeing as a highlight reel? What have you noticed? Well, this place where we are, none of us have ever seen this before. We're living in a place where we have algorithms, technology that knows more about us than we know. And and the people who, there's a, a movie called Social Dilemma, who said, that there are moments when they look and see that they've been manipulated 
by the technology that they created and didn't know. That technology can determine when a person comes in a room and their eye movements, what their sexual orientation is, just with their eye movements. Uh, but on a positive side, uh, a Rabbi Itzi, uh, who developed ALS and a, a neurological disease and paralyzed, and a man who was a great minister and dance and sing, actively engaged in life, a father, a husband. And now the only way that he can communicate with the world with the movement of his eyes and this technology that can read the movements of his eyes. So he still is being a voice for good. He wrote an article about breaking through the darkness. He still is a father. He still is a husband. He still write articles with the movement of his eyes connecting with technology that can interpret those movements. Come on. That's that's a miracle. Yeah. That that he can still live a life of contribution. That he's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not focusing on being trapped in his body. He's not focusing on he can't speak. He can't say, I love you to my wife or, or to my children. He can't say that. All he can do is communicate with his eyes, and the computer is his voice. So they're, they're, we're in the best of times and the worst of times. And in the midst of it, the people that are not allowing themselves to get caught up in the distraction economy are people who make a decision that they're going to take care of themselves. They're going to, nothing can get through except through the eyes or through the ears. And so they discipline themselves to manage their input, and stay focused on what it is that they want to produce with their lives and not allow themselves to be hijacked by the distractions, by this noisy world. Keep thine eyes single. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we have to really make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort not to buy into what we see and what we hear mm-hmm. and, 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 and be intentional about the kind of life and impact that we want to make on the world and to rob the cemetery of our leadership, of our voice, of our genius, of our books, of our voices, of our stories, and, and what it is we showed up to do here in life. I believe that there's something would have been dramatically missing had you not been here, Glenn. You're a piece of the puzzle that's going to help clean up what we now see. And what we now see, it looks bad, but guess what? It has not come to stay. It has come to pass. And when things are good, Glenn, guess what? It has not come to stay. It has come to pass. <laughs> it's a part of the process of life. However, we must hold on to our faith. Why? Because faith not tested can't be trusted. Yep. 
Yeah. You said something very important before when you were talking about when people go through whatever it means to be through adversity for them, they're going through a rough time, then they find God. But what are they doing in the meantime when things are going good? And it's so good and so reflective to think of that. One thing I wanted to say to you is when it comes to mental health, in whatever form it is, having having touched that and the experience you've you've gone on your own journey, in moments of adversity and, and attesting to the greatness within and what you do and help people with, in moments of adversity, what has helped you get through? That you have to, from my perspective, I read, I have a ritual. I, when I get up in the morning, I, I pour into myself to program myself to maintain a sense of peace and joy. Life is for laughing, loving, and living. And so that when, when I get up, I discipline myself to read 30 to 40 pages of something positive when I first get up. And, and I listen to something that's positive that will expand my vision of myself beyond the negative conversations that I know I'm going to hear today is <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that's going to happen that life has said, I'm waiting on you. You can let your God down if you want to. I know you tired of the virus, but the virus is not tired of you. <laughs> <laughs> you better keep your mask on because I'm waiting for you. <laughs> it's, it's so, so, so reading and listening to something positive and uplifting. Why? Because whatever you hear to listen to and read when you first get up in the morning, the first 20 minutes, it'll affect the spirit of your day. So we have to be intentional. Lord, whatever I face today, together, you and I can handle it. Ooh. Because life happens to all of us. Yeah. And you can tithe, you can speak in tongues, you can chant, Noma Yoho Renge Kyo, and life is coming for you in spite of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't cry and complain. 80% don't care, and 20% glad it's you and not them. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. You know what? I've started now, the more and more that I've reflected and gone into my faith, it's I actually start my day very similar ritual, but it's use me. If you need me, put me in front of somebody that may need my help. And the reason for that is because I always say to people, and this is a question that I want to I want to come to a conclusion with you, is that people are brought into our lives at a pivotal moment. And it doesn't matter whether they're a dustman, whether they're, they come in a suit, a flashy car, whatever. But sometimes people's story are just coming for you to enable you to move forward in your life. So out of all the years and all the people that you have met, I'm sure you've got a lot of testimonies, but I really want to know because there's one thing that touches our heart and stays with us. When did you realize and who was the person and a little bit of story behind it that your story, the first time you told that you're never going to forget and you're going to take away with you, that it impacted their life to the point it brought tears to your eyes? When 
I met a person who decided that life was not about her. That it was about living a life of service. Mm -hmm. My mother, she never had any children. She adopted us and, and she treated us like she gave birth to us. And that was the passion that she approached life with and taking care of us. She promised my birth mother, they'll never go to bed hungry and there will always be a roof over their head and clothes on their back. And what I got from that, live your life the way that you want to leave your life. They did a study and this lady was a, she was a nurse, a hospice nurse. And, and she talked with and interviewed patients who knew that they didn't have long to be here. And she asked them, what is it that you regret? Mm-hmm. And what the majority of them said, I wasn't true to myself. I wasn't true to being me. That most people died age 25 and don't get buried until they're 65. That they were more concerned about what people thought about them and said about them than what they thought about themselves. And they allowed themselves to be distracted as opposed to being true to themselves and asking the question, is this me? Life is a question. How we live our lives is the answer. Is this me? Does this give me a sense of meaning and purpose? Does this allow me to get a good night's sleep? Because I've given my best to serve, to make some impact with my life, to live a life that counts, to live a life of no regrets. And so in this thing called life, you don't get a do-over. Nobody's figured out how to get out of here alive. (laughs) You know? And so the people that are listening to you, they want to make their lives count. That's why they're listening to you as you are doing. And it's imperfect, the process. We don't exactly know what that is, but maybe that's why we're taught, lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Listen to the whispering of the voice in your heart and your soul and you will be directed. That's my story, Glenn, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got two questions for you. Where is your happy place? Is it being on stage inspiring or Les's time, Les's own space? What I'm doing right now. I'm a happy camper. You are. (laughs) Yes. I'm like a little kid, you know, because to me, life is about laughing, loving, and living. I'm a big kid. M I C. See you real soon. Why? Why? Because we like you. M O U S E. So I have Mickey Mouse things around my house, and I have things that make me smile. Yeah. Because we woke up this morning. 
I believe that every day is a good day. If you don't believe it, try missing ones. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless of all the drama and stuff that's going on, what we must decide, this is not going to define me. What we must embrace are the words of Elsie Robinson, who said, things may happen around you and things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. That's all that counts. How you decide to process it. Shakespeare said, nothing is neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. Paul said, count it all joy. Come on, somebody. Count it all joy. Yes. <laughs> it's what, what is your ultimate, this last one then, what is your ultimate hope for humanity? That we realize everything proceeds from God and everything is encompassed in God. And that we are here to be a blessing to each other. And it's going to look difficult and it's going to become bad before it becomes better. And if we just focus on what's going on now, if you go into an operating room in the middle of a surgery, it looks like a murder. (laughs) (laughs) But on the other side, come on, somebody, there's a healing. And so we must focus on the healing, that which is perfect, not on the things that are imperfect. We are in a process of evolving. There's a reckoning going on. So let's not just judge according to appearances. Let's not just hear the words, but be also doers of the word. He's our keep peace, our keep thee in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Not on thee and all the ugliness, not on thee and the Ukraine, not on thee and all of the dysfunction and toxic things that's going on in the world, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I put you here at this point in time to be a force for good. Mm-hmm. Do your part to make the world a better place. Boom. Absolutely love that. Now, greatness within all the rest of the projects, what have you got coming up at the moment so so people can go straight to your website and find out more? I think that we need more messengers of hope. I'm, I'm training speakers how to create an experience that will transform people individually and collectively. Uh, Steve Jobs said the storyteller is the most powerful person on the planet. Why? Because you are able to create a culture. You're able to impact the collective thinking of people. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm encouraging people to reach out to me the, to coachmelessbrown.com coachmelessbrown.com because I would not be here if I did not know how to communicate. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so when I think about Warren Buffett, when he graduated from Harvard University, the first thing he did was he took a communications course. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so we need people who are going to give people hope when there's hope in the future. That gives you power in the present. There are a lot of people that are suffering from what you mentioned earlier, 
empty pockets, feeling hopeless and powerless. The suicide rate has gone up. My business partner, her nephew, committed suicide, young, 34 years old. Kids as young as five years of age. And so when we look at where we are, people need hope. They need to have someone say, you can make it through this. This does not define you. No, it will not break you. It will make you. Focus on the perfect. Focus on the fact. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yes. The the powerful thing that you just said there with the storytelling, I, I followed that what Steve Jobs said, and it's something that you said that I heard when I started this campaign, and that was the whole premise of bringing it back to basics. The oldest form of communication is storytelling. And as you can see, the images behind me are some of Australia's biggest biggest names, but it wasn't a sense of taking pictures with lights and in a studio. It was removing all that, which is within 12 months, it went international and people said, well, how did you do it? And I was like, I didn't reinvent the wheel. Storytelling is what resonates with people. And it's what makes people feel apart. And if by anything, by talking to people like yourself, that we can just put out there that this whole conditioning of, I can't say anything about going through struggles because it might affect my job. It might affect this. It might affect that. They can see people like yourself and everyone else who has made such an incredible impact on this world who have gone through those challenges. Yes. Now, but people need to be trained. And, yes. and the reason why they need to be trained and coached, I, People say, well, you're just a natural. No, I, I spent a full day with Maya Angelou, the great poet. And she said, it angers me when someone said that I'm a natural. She said, show me a natural heart surgeon. Mm. Yeah, I'm trained. Yeah. All right. So, so as, as we look at where, where we are, that, that people need to be trained on how to tell their story. The, the people have been trained and oriented through the philosophy by the, the Dale Carnegie course, which is a great course. They teach, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. The orientation has been giving information from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If information could change people, everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, when you, yeah, and when you do an information dump, that only impacts two areas of the brain. What made me stand out when I became in this involved in this space is telling the story about my mother and, and, and where I came from. Stories touch the heart. Stories impact the five areas of the brain. Mm-hmm. So when we, we tell a story, we expand a person's vision of themselves beyond their culture, beyond their circumstances, and, 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 and go to their heart so that they have the courage and create the want to to make a different decision about their lives. We make decisions and our decisions make us. So we, we encourage people to have the courage, be of ye of good courage to make a decision to go in another direction, to step away from what they have been doing to becoming the kind of person that God chose them to become. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, I encourage everybody that's listening to to actually head to Les's website so you can check this because there are so many stories out there that need to be told. 
and people don't know where to start. And one of the things you always say is, yes, you need to learn how to communicate that, but you also need to get seen as well. So I know yes, that's one thing that can help, help with people. So I just want to say from, from deep within my heart, this morning for me has been incredible to, uh, to say, I know it was a divine meeting. That's how I yes, call it. And it's incredible for me too. <laughs> then you can go to coachmelessbrown.com. I know how to give a speech, but I can also, I can pull a speech out. I can get the butter from the duck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I'm going to put all the links up to where you can find Les and all the coaching um, and his books. They're an incredible read. Um, yeah, I just I, I want to finish this on a high note, just saying thank you very much um, for everything you do in this world. I know that God's shining down on you because the impact you you're making is just absolutely incredible but to anybody listening out there please take a lot away from what les is saying keep the hard conversations going because it's the hard conversations that saves life until next time guys enjoy your day to find out more about the imperfectly perfect campaign and how you can get involved simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.